Hello everyone and welcome back to Footprints. It's September and Barscape's wonderful annual walking festival is about to begin. I met up with organiser Lucy Bartlett for a catch-up and you can hear that interview later on in the programme. I also persuaded her to take me on a walk around Bath City Farm, where I got to see what a magnificent place it is, not just for the animals, but also the woods, the fields, the ponds and the staggering views over Bath. The walk we went on has been planned with the Cotswold National Landscape and it's suitable for the whole family and takes place on the first day of the festival on September the 10th. Do sign up. But before that, let's head off to the top of Lansdowne, where we're going to meet up with Stephen Bird. Stephen has recently retired from being Head of Heritage Services for Baines Council. He's a very enthusiastic walker and with his heritage background, I was keen to find out his views on how it is that the heritage and the landscape merge so beautifully together in Bath. I started by asking him what walking means to him. Well, I've always enjoyed walking. I think I've always enjoyed landscapes. At university, I studied archaeology and became very interested in the uh, human imprint on the land around us. And so I enjoy reading landscapes and walking through them, but also looking at the, increasingly at the geology and the flora and fauna. And uh, I think it's my main recreation now, my main hobby, if you like. It's how I get my main form of exercise and my main form of relaxation. For the benefit of the listener who might be able to hear that we're outside, just describe exactly where we are, Stephen. Wow. Well, we're sitting on the southern brow of the Lansdowne Plateau, looking over the Avon Valley. The city of Bath disappears to our left, towards the east, into a bend in the valley. But looking beyond that, you can see the green hills of Somerset and along the skyline, for as far as we can see from right to left, you can see the Mendip Bridge going all the way through from uh, the Bristol Channel across to the Froome area. Further over to our left, you can see the skyline around Alfred's Tower above Stourhead going along towards the uplands around uh, Longleat and extremely to our left you can see the fringes of the Salisbury Plain. And of course listeners will know that you for many years were head of heritage services for the council. Tell us a little bit about that. We set it up as a business unit within the council, running the Victoria Art Gallery, the Roman Baths and Pump Room, the Fashion Museum, the Bath Record Office, and then everything that happens in those buildings. So all the commercial activities as well, the catering, the room hire, the shops and so on, as well as the educational activities. But we always sought to balance the commercial imperatives that we faced with the conservation necessities of looking after some wonderful heritage in terms of buildings and museum collections and archive collections. I think the city was built to create vistas, viewpoints, and because it's set in a valley, there are some uh, wonderful sights to be seen as you walk around. But despite it being surrounded by steep hills, it's a great city to walk out from the centre, up through the outer regions of the city and into the countryside. And one of the characteristics of the city is, of course, that it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and one strand of what UNESCO calls outstanding universal value 
is the green River Valley setting. And close to the city centre, you can see very clearly where that comes down, very close to the centre. So we have the urban with the rural blending together very closely. That's a great area to explore. It makes it very accessible and it's a great city to read in that in that respect. We're really fortunate and it's a happy coincidence of a geology that in this valley we have Britain's only hot springs and that led to the development of the spa and the, the formation of what's known as spa culture which in turn led to a particular style of architecture and layout of buildings and so they form very much part of the urban landscape particularly from the 18th century and it's that that creates the sight lines that you see from outside looking into the city so it's a spectacular place I never tire of it. One of the features of Bath obviously is the Roman baths and the Romans in Bath. Do you think the Romans liked walking? Do you think they came up here? I think they would have been fascinated by the landscape when they first arrived, having discovered there were hot springs here. That clearly gave them a message, if you like, that there were things that were very special to local people here. And once the settlement of Bath, the town of Bath, had been built and uh, was occupied probably by uh, what we'd call Romano-British people, they would have been living in a landscape that they already knew. Visiting Romans, I think, would have been quite surprised by the approaches to the city, certainly from the south and the east and the north, where you virtually arrive at the rim of the valley and look down into the city, and you would have seen the Roman settlement, really quite small, surrounding the hot springs with some outlying uh, suburban areas uh, beyond that, and at the very heart of it, the hot springs, and probably the steam could have been seen rising from the hot springs, which would have been a signal that you'd arrived at Aquaisulis. Yes, that would be exciting, wouldn't it? So, Stephen, you're a keen walker. Tell me about some of the walks that you love to do around the city of Bath. I mean, the Cotswold Way is very hard to beat, and it, it goes for 102 miles from the doors of Bath Abbey uh, up to Chipping Camden. And it goes up the hill behind my house, and just pointing out this ridge in the middle distance here, that is the line of the Cotswold Way heading up towards Kelston Round Hill and then on up into the southern Cotswolds. And and that is a favourite walk of mine. I love the views you get in all directions from it and how very quickly from my house, you know, within five, ten minutes, I can be in countryside, fresh air, seeing the wildlife. And uh, the fact that it's so close to home is very special and um, I, I never take it for granted. Did you grow up here, Stephen? No, I didn't. Uh, my early childhood was spent in East Africa. My father was a government land surveyor with the Kenyan government, and on occasion he would take me out into rural areas in East Africa on surveying jobs, and I very quickly picked up his, his love of the landscape and of the outdoors. And then when we'd come back to England in the 1960s, we had a, a family holiday in South Devon and he took me on my first long walk. We walked through parts of Dartmoor and my vivid recollection of that is actually stopping at the pub in Widdicombe on the moor. And my dad had a pint of cider and I, I, I wasn't allowed cider, I think I had lemonade or coke or something, but it was my first long walk, aged about 11 or 12 and we did 20 miles and I think my dad just wanted to induct me in the ways of walking through the countryside and so that's really what got me interested. 20 miles is quite long but having said that at the circuit of Bath last May I met quite a few children who were happily coming around the entire 20 miles. 
Yes, I think if they're motivated and enjoying themselves, uh, quite often children just don't notice the slog that inevitably you get on some walks. And one of the great beauties of the circuit of Bath Walk is that there are staged intervals and there's a bus service, so you can do one, two, three, four, all five of the stages as much as you feel capable of doing. Now, I understand you're one of the people that thought of going in both directions, is that right? Yes, but not at the same time. Um, uh, a group of us used to do the circuit of Bath Walk when it first started, and we loved it. And um, we were conscious that we didn't see that many other people because we're all going the same way. And so one year I just said to my team, why don't we do it the other way around? Because then we'll see everybody going, going in the other direction. And that proved to be the case. It was great fun meeting other people. I mean, some people thought, well, you're breaking the rules. You can't do that. Some people thought we were lost. Oh, no, 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 it's this way you've got it going the wrong way but after doing that I and one or two others said well let's write the rules the directions to go the other way around so we did that with Cecil Weir of uh, Julian House and it gave them an option to um, offer two walks and bearing in mind they they do it to raise money for a very worthwhile charity if it sustains people's interest by giving them a walk in the other direction then you know that would be all to the good so that's what we did so there's now two walks you can do. And I have to ask you then, which is your favourite and where do you like to start from? Well, actually, the original walk, the clockwise walk, I think is the one I'm most used to. And we have always started from Odd Down Park and Ride. And the reason for this is that we get to the George at Bathampton around lunchtime and uh, sit on the canal bank with a, a pint and eat our sandwiches and then progress along the canal, which meant we got to the Angel Fish at Claverton Canal Basin at tea time and have a pot of tea and cake to sustain us on our way and from there then it would be an hour or so back up to Oddown Park and Ride. So there was method in choosing that particular route and that particular starting point. Do you know that was exactly my thinking and my route when I did it last year for the first time. So great minds. Great minds indeed yes and great walking. So apart from the Cotswold Way then any other favourite walks? Well, I think walking up to where we are now, roughly from my home in the western part of Bath, up onto these slopes, uh, you can go in all different directions from here. You can carry on out of the city towards Woolley. You can go around towards uh, Beckford's Tower and then down into Zion Hill and the upper parts of Georgian Bath. And there are many parts of that that people don't usually find. And it's gradually dropping down the hill from there into the city. You start to realise that gradually it's becoming urban but there's still amazing sight lines or you can carry on along the Lansdowne plateau here and one of the things that um, brings me back up here is that it is an extraordinarily rich landscape archaeologically you know there's evidence of uh, Mesolithic and Neolithic activity through uh, known flint scatters there are Bronze Age burial mounds there's an Iron Age hill fort there's um, Roman villa and a uh, nearby Roman pewter working settlement there's a medieval chapel there's a Civil War battlefield, there's the Lansdowne Tower uh, built by William Beckford. Uh, there's all sorts of things to explore up here. It's, it's a really rich landscape and it does indicate that uh, people have been uh, using this landscape for hundreds of years. You know, there's the race course here, there was a wartime airfield where the race course is now. So a, a, a rich assemblage of human activity over the centuries. And you mentioned Georgian Bath, and of course John Wood, the elder, was the architect of Queen Square and the Circus 
tell me a little bit about what he was designing and how, how he wanted to place it in the landscape. John with the Elder, yes, he was the visionary that started it all off. He died before the circus was finished. It was finished by his son, uh, John Wood the Younger, who went on to build other structures such as the Assembly Rooms and the Royal Crescent and so on. But John Wood the Elder, I think he saw this perhaps as the new Rome and the Rome of the North. He was fascinated by the ancient world and it is said that he modelled the circus on Stonehenge and all the sort of Druidic influences that he thought were there. Uh, perhaps he thought we're going to um, be present somehow in this new uh, new Colosseum he was building in southwest England. So just to go back to your history and love of walking, do you like to do long-distance walking? I know you mentioned the Cotswold Way. Yes, actually the Cotswold Way was the first long trail that, um, that I walked, I think I did in 2008, and since then I've done many others, I think about a dozen. I try and do one or two every year of the national trails. And yes, I love the sense that you can get hot and happily tired walking through a landscape, arrive at a village pub, um, have a shower, have a meal, have a pint in the morning, great breakfast, and as you slam the pub door, it sort of echoes in the village street and you carry on walking in the direction in which you've been going. My preference is to walk on my own, which is just my preference. A lot of people like walking with others. I just feel I get a fuller experience of the natural world around me. And I sometimes think that, you know, you walk in two zones. You walk in a zone of disturbance. So all the noise you make and how visible you are and how much you smell is somehow transmitted to all the wildlife around you. But you also walk in a zone of awareness. You, you see and hear and smell the wildlife. And so if you can make your zone of awareness larger than your zone of disturbance, you see it all before it sees you. And it's amazing how much you can actually see in terms of wildlife, rabbits, deer, foxes, birds, so much if you're just walking on your own in as much silence as you can generate. One of the things we take for granted is how blessed we are in this country with such a rich network of footpaths. We really are, because you don't find as comprehensive a network of footpaths anywhere else, certainly nowhere else that I've been. And so it is there to be used. And um, one of the things I've done since I've retired is I've uh, joined the Cotswold Wardens, the Voluntary Wardens. They're really well organised. And I go out with a work party. Yesterday morning I was out near Lucknam Park near Cullen and we were just improving the way marking on a footpath going across the fields and through the woods there so it's a way of putting something back into the landscape that I've really enjoyed walking for so many years now you've you've done long walks you've done short walks but you've also done sponsored walks tell me about a sponsored walk you did in the last few years well in December 2018 when we were fundraising to create a new World Heritage Centre uh, for Bath I decided to do a walk which I've sort of mapped out in my mind before but never had an excuse for doing and this was a great excuse and I called it the Wessex World Heritage Triangle and I walked 105 miles in five days basically from Bath to Stonehenge to Avebury and back to Bath, sort of a triangle bringing together those three great World Heritage sites. And it was the middle of December, 
and so the weather wasn't brilliant but I never really got wet or cold it was actually great fun to do planning it was important because obviously I followed footpaths and bridleways and lanes but there were no there was no set route I just made it up before I went and perhaps the most challenging bit was when I was planning to go across a firing range on the Salisbury Plain and um, I looked up a very good MOD website which tells you when there's going to be firing and I could see they were planning to fire on this particular day. Now this was I think the 19th of December. So I rang up and I said, are you really going to be firing on that day just before Christmas? And I got some very well-spoken army major. He said, just a moment, I'll go and have a look. And he came back to the phone after a minute or so. He said, I think you'll be all right. (laughs) The walking festival starts on the 10th of September. It runs for two weeks. It's very popular. Tell me about what, what it means for you. What, what might you enjoy in it? Uh, I shall obviously enjoy walking, but I shall also enjoy seeing other people getting out and walking. You know, Bath has, for many years, been a city of festivals, music festivals, artistic festivals, poetry festivals, literature festivals. And it's so good that we now have a walking festival, which just feeds a different kind of the mind and feeds the body as well, feeds the soul and gets people out and about enjoying the landscape in which they're privileged to live. Thank you, Stephen, for bringing me to this beautiful place today and telling me about your love of walking. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you, Pommy. Thanks there to Stephen Bird. Now, Stephen mentioned the Walking Festival, and so who better to talk to than the organiser herself, Lucy Bartlett? I started by asking her about the festival and how it came about. We had the first one in 2017 and it's part of our plan, part of how we encourage people to access the countryside around Bath and really grow to love it and look after it. And we've been doing them every year since then. And why are they so popular? Because they seem to be all over the country now, don't they? I think it's that concentration of variety that you get with it. So with ours, for example, there's everything from very short wellbeing walks through to great long 12-mile hikes and everything in between. So we try and cover as much variety as possible in terms of length, but also different interest groups. People really enjoy going on a guided walk with an expert. They're not going to get lost. They don't have to worry about doing the map reading and they'll learn something on the way and they'll chat to people. And it's just a really nice way to explore either your local area if if you're a resident or if you're a tourist to find out something about the local area. And there's loads of walks this year, aren't there? There's some ones that are kind of old favourites that are happening, but there's also some brand new ones. So let's just think about some of the ones last year and how they might be different this year. I know there was one by Molly Conisby about the cemeteries of Bath. Is she doing one this year? Yeah, she's doing one this year called Cholera Humbug, and it's all about how 18th century society responded to epidemics so very timely with what's been happening since so it's a historic perspective on what's happening now that's really interesting i'd like to do that any other ones that around social history i know there have been ones about various estates in bath yep this year we're focusing on the moorlands estate so again a post-war council estate and how how it came about and what the plans were for us at the time we've also which we didn't have last year got another version of a walk about Haile Selassie's time when he was in Bath when he was in exile so we've got social history walks we have also got walks for just the complete joy of walking tell us about what, what some of those are on offer this year 
yeah we've got we've got quite a lot of those they tend to be anything between five miles and 12 miles but the in the festival program you can check how long it is and they start either somewhere like the park and ride somewhere really easy to get to and then an experienced person who knows the hills like the back of their hand will take take you around there are so many villages in the area just outside bath in that countryside nestling away and also down in the summer valley Oh yes, the Summer Valley. And do we link up this year as we did last year with their walking festival? Yeah, yeah. They're starting mainly from Timsbury this year, so it's in a slightly different area. And again, a good focus on the industrial heritage and the beautiful landscape down in that part of Bath and North East Somerset. Oh, I think I might have a look at those. Last year, I know we did. A, there, was, there was a pilgrimage. It was a half day and a whole day pilgrimage. Is that happening again? Yeah, that's happening again. It's more city centre this time, but again, it's going round and visiting some of the spiritual buildings of different faiths. And pilgrimages are sort of more internal than external, but there are also well-being walks. Yeah, these are part of our weekly walking programme that, that run all year, but during the walking festival as well, you can try them out. So that might be people who just want to do a very short social walk with a bit of company. They tend to be flat, they tend to be city centre, easy, easy-going walks for, for people who maybe don't want to walk as far. Any other guided walks that you want to highlight? We've got something new this year to link in. The, the, the end of our walking festival ties in with the festival about climate and ecological emergency. So we've got some walks which are looking at wildlife gardening. So there are different gardens you can go and have a look at in different parts of Bath. And we've also got some walks about looking at climate change through the perspective of the river catchment area. So bigger than Bath, just thinking a bit more holistically. And I think you've got one on archaeology for the first time, haven't you? Yeah, we've got two from archaeology. So Bath County's Archaeological Society has provided us with a couple of walks, which is really good up at Bathampton Down. And if people don't want to be guided, there are, I understand, 10 new self-guided walks that people can download. Is that right? And go off on their own? That's right. Yeah, if you'd rather just download the map and do it yourself with all of the instructions, then we've been working with Cotswold National Landscape who have put together a new collection of walks for us. Again, some of those are suitable for wheels, some of them for longer walks. Finally, Lucy, give us the dates again and then how people can sign up. 10th to the 25th of September and you can go to bathscape.co.uk walking festival and all of the walks and the self-guided activities are all there to be found. Thank you so much, Lucy, both for talking to me today, but also for organising the festival, because I know it takes a lot of work for much of the year to get to the point that we are at now where, you know, the walks are filling up. That's right. It's a pleasure. Before I let Lucy go, I persuaded her to show me a walk she's been putting on for the families at Bath City Farm. Here we are at Bath City Farm. Lucy and I are about to go on a walk. Lucy, tell me all about it. We're here at beautiful Bath City Farm, one of my favourite places in Bath. I'm going to take you on the walk that we're doing on the first day of the walking festival. So it's a family nature and foraging walk. We're currently sitting in the cafe at Bar City Farm, which will be open on the day. But we're just going to go on a walk to the wilder part of the farm. Yeah, and this is a brand new cafe, isn't it? Only opened at Easter and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's made of wood and brick and it's really spacious and light inside. It is, it is. And it's got a nice play area outside and it's been buzzing ever since it opened. And it sells cake. (laughs) Come on then, let's go. So we're just 
going down the hill from the car park, away from the cafe, towards a very tall signpost. Let's go and have a look at that. We've got volunteer training rooms to the right and everything else is to the left, which includes the animals, forest play area and nature trail, the trough cafe and history trail, I think that's the old cafe hut, and the community gardens. So let's carry on. One of the reasons for coming to the farm is, of course, its view. We can see right across to Lansdowne, Beckford's Towers over there. Tell me about this walk that we're doing. Who's it for and what you're going to do as you walk around the farm? It's aimed for families um, and so we're bypassing the very cute little domestic animals and we're walking away from the farm buildings. The farm has a slightly less visited but really lovely couple of fields which are quite wild. So that's where we're going to go and we're going to see what we can find there. We might do a little bit of bug hunting. We might do a little bit of creating things. Now in September, this ivy tree will just be coming into flower. You can see the start of the flowers there. One of the things that people will be able to see at this time of year is the ivy bee. And I don't know if you've ever seen it when, the, when an ivy tree is out completely flowering and loads and loads of bees going in and out of it. And they're bees that don't sting but they, uh, they love the ivy tree. So we're now at the end of the piggery, coming up to a nature trail. I never knew this nature trail was here, Lucy. As I say, a lot of people stick to the, the bit of the farm with the domestic animals, which is completely understandable, especially if you've come here with children. But, yeah, you are missing out on quite a lovely almost country walk when you think we are a 10 minute bus ride from the centre of Bath and we're just going to stop and take a look at the view from here and you can see it's the classic thing of a lovely green hill on the edge of Bath It is the most astonishing setting for a city farm and a public place that anybody can come to From here you can see the Royal Crescent you can see Lansdowne Crescent, uh, you can see the Abbey. And this big lump here with the houses going up it is, is actually just a hill because it goes down again the other side. Um, and that's where you can go up to Alexandra Park and see the view of the city centre from Beach and Cliff. Which is where we were in the last episode. There up you go. on Lincoln Hill Field. Exactly, yes. Yeah, so that's just the other side of that, of that hill. You can really see here that Bath sits in a bowl that it's surrounded by hills, that the green hills go in right into the centre of the city, which is what Barscape is all about as well, of course. That's how it was planned. You know, you can see how the green hills are setting off the, the crescents and it's all done with that in mind, the green, the green setting and the historic buildings just interplay with each other. And this is a really good way to see it from up here. Now, we're just going to stop at this tree here which is Pommy. It's an oak tree. It's an oak tree. Quite a small one, quite a young one. And one of the great things to look at at this time of year is our galls. Tell us what a gall is and why it's important. 
So these are growing just on the on the stem that the that the acorn is also growing on. It looks a bit like a small pink Ferrero Rocher is the best way I can describe that. It's knobbly on the outside and it's quite sticky. And inside there is baby wasps. Wow. And there's lots and lots of different different ones of different shapes and different sizes from all the different species because as people are probably aware oak trees really really are host to a huge number of different species about two and a half thousand different species of stuff makes an oak tree its home it's beginning to feel autumnal isn't it we know there's a Badger sets here, foxes have been seen here, there's lots of bats here, it's got a really good nightlife going on as well. It feels very wild, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, we're just above loads and loads of trees and woodland and we're just going into woodland now, past very ripe, let's try one, blackberries. Mmm, sweet, lovely. One of the things we'll do with the families, but we're not doing today is come through here and make some leaf crowns with picking up leaves as we go through. I've just seen hazel and beech and ash and oak and ivy and sycamore. There's also a fallen log here, which is probably a bit too big for us to move, but it would be quite... There's a lovely big bracket fungus on it. Feels quite magical, though, doesn't it? I Yeah. Uh, again, this is part of why Bar City Farm is such a beautiful place to come because you've got everything that you need. You've got the facilities where we started off. We've then been through a nice piece of grassland with some fantastic views of Bath. Now we're through some lovely woodland. It's just got a little bit of everything and it's really peaceful, really, really peaceful. You could be in the middle of nowhere. And this is obviously originally a planted line of beech trees. I mean, they're, they're pretty ancient yeah. now, aren't they? Yeah. They're, they're very, very tall. And they go right the way down the hill. Now, what we can do here is do a little bit of bug hunting as well. But we've got little bug pots with a magnifying lid on. Oh, look at those. And little tiny magnifying oh, glasses. They're so sweet. So this is like a little plastic pot, maybe two centimetres across. And the top is a magnifying glass. Lucy's gone deep into the undergrowth of the woods and is moving Ooh. logs around. Oh, look, what have you found? Uh, lots of wood lice. There's lots of different species of wood lice. You, you can see that those two are completely oh, different. Yes. There's a little oh, one yes. and, a, and a bigger one. And again, children really enjoy getting them in the bug pot and having a a nice closer look at them. So we're now walking back across what I might call the lower field. This field takes us directly above Bath City Football Club. There it is, just down there. You can see the blue seats in the stand. Yeah, we're, we're right in the heart of Twerton here and obviously the football club is on Twerton High Street, more or less. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where we are, all that green space just above it. 
There's a speckled wood butterfly has just gone past us there. So this is taking us back across a sheep field, back towards the city centre. And we're going to go and just see if we can see anything in the ponds. It's obviously been very dry, so the ponds have dried out a bit. But there are we'll, ponds as well. There are ponds, there's everything, it's got everything here. Oh my word. Here are the ponds. Looking very dry, I must admit, but with beautiful reeds and a boardwalk around the edge. And a lovely wooden gate. Yeah, it's very dry, and in fact, this pond, for wildlife, it doesn't matter that there aren't any fish in it. And in fact, this pond, earlier in the year, had quite a lot of newts in it so it's got great crested newts here the most protected the rare ones and palmate newts and they were here early in the year and in fact they won't be bothered at all by the pond drying out it's quite good for ponds to dry out because that keeps things like fish away which eat the baby newts so you know that's fine it's fine so from a wildlife point of view the, the pond drying out and then refilling over the winter is absolutely fine well, it's quite green, isn't it? And all the reeds are very green, so there's, there is water in there, but it's under the... It's sort of in the mud, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Are we going this way? Yeah. Going back into the woods now. Are we still on Bath City Farm soils? No, we've just crossed over. This is called Innox Park. So this was Paul's favourite park, yep, and it was mentioned right. by Dan as well, and yep. here we are in here it. Here we are. So again, it's still got a lovely view, but obviously we're slightly lower than the top of the farm, looking out across the west part of Bath. Lots of butterflies. And you can't see it now because it's, been, it's had its annual cut, but, but this is part of where we've been creating meadows. So I think that's what Paul was talking about and Dan was talking about. So these sections here at the top... We are not seeing it at its best time. <laughs> but that's what you have to do in order to get the meadow going. So this was full of yellow rattle. And in fact, you'll notice that where they've cut this bit, they've taken everything off. So there aren't any grass trimmings left behind. And that's all part of what they were talking about last time, about removing the nutrients from the soil rather than letting it go back in. Quite good for meadows. And good for children, because there's a lovely children's playground at the bottom. Yep, and it's looking really nice. back in the heart of Bath City Farm now, aren't we? Above the orchard, the new orchard, with the Shetland ponies. And now we're at the, <gasps> at the lovely... Oh, Lucy! <laughs> you were waiting for me to notice, weren't you? Oh, look! A tiny little baby, a baby, a pygmy pygmy goat. That is so cute. Oh, aren't you lovely? They really are. They really are. I mean, it's not wildlife, but it's quite cute to finish the walk. Lots of children very excitedly looking at them. So here we are. Back at the top of the farm. 
back at the farm buildings and the cafe where hopefully people will stop and have a nice cup of tea or some lunch after after their walk. It's lovely, isn't it? And everywhere you go, there's a bench to sit on. Yeah. Or a view to look at. Or a very cute animal. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lucy, for showing me a whole side of Bath City Farm I'd never seen before. It's absolutely stunning here, isn't it? It is. It was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely love it here. OK, let's head back to the cafe. Well, that's it for this episode of Footprints. Thank you for joining me. Don't forget you can listen to all the previous episodes anytime you like. Footprints is available on all your favourite podcast platforms, so please do like, subscribe and, of course, share with your friends, family and colleagues. Don't forget the Walking Festival runs from the 10th till the 25th of September. You can find out more and still sign up for walks by visiting the website bathscape.co.uk. Footprints was hosted and produced by me, Pommy Harmer, and I'll see you next month.